Monsoon. We had a good week last week. We did have a good week yeah, last week. Excellent guest. It was we a lot of fun. had a wonderful musical guest. Thank you again, Dana Jean Phoenix, for, for joining us last week. And thank you to our friends, the FM Records All-Stars, for providing our intro music. Yes, excellent. I know we forgot to ask, uh, thank them last week, but we were so excited to have Dana on that kind of, kind of. <laughs> slipped our minds. <laughs> I can only think about one musical guest at a, at a time, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, she was fantastic. And, she uh, was. It was exciting to have her on, so yes. that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah. this week, we're going to be talking about something else. Oh, what are we talking you know, about? This uh, well, you know, coming off of talking to her and, you know, getting a little bit of that retro vibe with her, you know, 16-bit uh, avatar and everything. Yeah, yeah. I was wearing uh, that shirt yesterday. Did you see it? Uh, no. Was that yesterday? Uh, maybe it was two days ago. I, I don't, don't remember. Okay. Either I saw way. your your uh, concert t-shirt the other day. Oh, yeah, That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're talking about retro gaming today, specifically yeah. handheld gaming. Oh, I remember that. It doesn't necessarily be retro, but majority of handheld gaming is retro gaming. Yeah, most, most things in history are in the past. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's weird how that works. Yeah, I know, right? History's in the past. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Uh. Uh, but I figure, you know, we can talk a little bit about that today, because okay. uh, we just recently got news that uh, Nintendo's putting out a purely handheld version oh, yeah, the, the, of the Switch. The Switch Lite. Yes, yeah. yes. Which is essentially killing off the 3DS completely. Nintendo has said that they are not abandoning the 3DS. They say that. Uh-huh. But I... Brought mine in today and looked uh-huh. at the store, and yeah. uh, there hasn't been anything new on there in months and months and months. I, I mean... Nintendo has said that they are not killing support for the 3DS. <laughs> That's what they say. But I mean, like they haven't they but, haven't even put out a virtual console release. Like I mean, we're talking just yeah. like a retro game yeah. in yeah. a couple years That's, now. That's fair. Also, not continuing or not killing support is not the same as making new content. For yeah. Them, right. They will. They will probably continue. They're going to leave the store the up and stuff on there because yeah. they can still make money. But yeah. there's not going to be any new content coming probably or anything not. like that. They're yeah. killing off a lot of the online services for it, and it just yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's a thing of the past. It's time to move on. Unfortunately, as much as I love that handheld system, sure, yeah, uh, but you know they are a fantastic system, and you can mod them. But we can talk about that a little bit later. Okay, I figure let's let's talk about just like the history in general. Okay, of handheld gaming. Oh well, yeah. well, where does handheld gaming start, Josh? Uh, well, officially, the first one that's yeah. listed and recognized as like the first handheld gaming would be the uh, the Nintendo Mattel. Game Boy. No, 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 what? no. Mattel. They had these LED games back in the '70s. Specifically, oh. 1977 is when they released the first one. Okay, uh, that would be Mattel's LED football. I recall that existing. You would most likely recognize it from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Or because Star-Lord is using it to track the entity that is coming in at the beginning of the movie. He's got a handheld LED Mattel football game. Oh, it's he, got a little red line on the front of it. He's tracking that entity as it comes down to touchdown. He totally does. Yeah. I uh, I actually recognize it from episodes of that 70s show. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That works too. There you go. There you go. But most recently, that's where a majority of okay. people would probably recognize that sure. if they hadn't played one in the 70s or had seen one before. Right. They would have seen that, you know, like, what is that thing? The Star-Lord got. Yeah. That was the first handheld. Oh. That, that was Mattel's LED uh, football. Okay. Um, they they had other ones uh, that were other like sports games. They were literally just LED lights. That's, that's all they were. There okay. were no like characters or anything on the screen. It was right. just quite literally a block of little LED lights okay. that were set up in like a baseball diamond or a football field okay. or a tennis court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, the lights would, you know what I mean, like would just go between. I mean, it was the 70s. It was Fantastic technology for the time, right. but you know, right. it, it had its limitations. Yeah. Um, 
there was another one that was released in the 79 by okay. Milton Bradley, Ooh. of all things. Okay. And that one actually would have been considered the first actual handheld console. Okay. Because what they were was, uh, they, they were called the Milton Bradley Microvision. Okay. All right. And they had a little LCD screen mm-hmm. that was terrible, <laughs> prone to rot, and just, just horribly designed. But the thing that was these claims of fame was that they had removable cartridges that you could get different games, like Jeopardy Ooh. and things like that. You know, they had okay. just different, like, removable cartridges. Right. Unfortunately, those cartridges, they were new technology, something brand new at the time, and uh, they were very susceptible to static Shock. Oh, no. So there was quite common for them to get wiped out completely. Mm. Just the cartridges, like, mm-hmm. completely lose mm-hmm. all memory and everything. Yeah. Um, there's something of a collector's item in certain circles. Sure. Just because. Because the ones that still work are very rare. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, even the handheld itself, uh, I mean, it, it, had, it was super easy to break. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had bad screens. Uh, the carts, you know, would erase themselves. The screens would uh, get black spots. And uh, just they were super easy to allow gaps and just get, if you live in a place with high humidity, they would get moisture behind oh, the screen. Sure. They would start to rot. And yeah. just, it was just one of those, they, they, you know, new technology they right. didn't know. No right. quality testing yet. But uh, that was technically the first handheld console. So that console. was 1979, you said? Yes. And it was the Microvision, it was yes. called? Yes. It's no. interesting that... Um, uh, uh, did, now, did Milton Bradley? They did. Uh, they did uh, other gaming, right? Yeah, they did some other things throughout the years. Uh, they had other little. Um, they they tried again a few years later. I can't remember the name of the system exactly. Okay. Uh, but they did another like. It was very similar to the Microvision. It, just, it was replaceable carts too, but it well, also didn't. But by I mean, the time okay. that came out, there were other bigger, better handheld. Sure, gaming things sure. Out so, there. so my thinking was though that um, it's the Microvision and it's seventy nine. So at that point, the ColecoVision and the Intellivision would have been things, right? Yes. Right, and it just—it's very interesting that early on in video game history. A lot of things had vision in the title. Yeah, well, because yeah. you figure everything with television. Oh, you know, yeah. That was that okay. was you know that okay. was where everybody consumed all their media was I on the television. Pretty much, yeah. it had replaced radio for the most part. Right. Radio was still around and yeah. it still is today, but right. we're on it. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's also evolved though. You know, whereas That's television is still true. television. Like, I mean, yeah. you can watch it on your computer monitor, but that's kind of still a TV. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. But, uh, you're yeah, not wrong. So that was kind of the, the naming okay. conventions at the time. Yes. Um, now, in 1980, okay. uh, a, a, uh, a company entered the market uh, with a handheld type of, of game. Okay. And it kind of revolutionized and changed the way the handheld marketing would work and opened up a door for a bunch of other companies. And this would be Nintendo. In 1980. 80. Oh, so this would have been the, the Game, Game & Watch. Watch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That they actually produced for 11 years. They produced those things until yeah. 1991. Yeah, that, they were a ton of Game & Watch games. Yeah, and because of those Game & Watch and the success of those mm-hmm. and the the format of them, having the LCD background with the moving characters and everything, yes. it, just, it changed the way that handheld gaming really sure. worked yeah. because it opened the door for like Tiger Electronics yes. to put out a handheld LCD of uh-huh. everything ever from like the mid 80s until like 2004 there was LCD handheld games from Tiger for everything. Man, yeah. I mean, everything. I, I, like every, just about, yeah. Every property you can think of from Batman, every Batman movie, there was mm-hmm. like five different versions mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Ninja Strolls, oh yeah, cartoons, movies, everything. There was a Top full Gun. house. Yeah. Well, so no, hold on, hold on. There was not a Ninja Turtles Tiger Electronics game. Sorry. Because 
Konami had the exclusive video game rights to Ninja Turtles. And Konami and, Konami and several Konami, other companies put out their own, their own. handhelds. So if, if you're counting Tiger as a genre of game, which you shouldn't because that's a company. No, it should technically right? be a Game & Watch. It it's, would be this well, genre. Yeah. The LCD. Oh, well, that's Nintendo's branding yeah, though, too, right? True, so, fair enough. So uh, LCD portable gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Konami did have their own. And I know this because I had Ninja Turtles 3. And Konami's had those big elongated yeah, um, yeah, they had the, like the Top Gun one I just mentioned. Right, they were the yes. tall, towerish kind. Yeah, that were really awkward to hold. I actually found them more comfortable than Tiger Games. Did because, you? Well, because my I have big thumbs. Okay. Even as a kid, my thumbs were pretty large, so like I the thumbs would hit the corner of the screen, so I could I would be blocking the screen on most Tiger Games. Oh, interesting. But on the Konami ones, because it was it looked more like a Game Boy, right? My thumbs were down at the bottom, uh, nowhere near the screen, and so it just it felt a little more like I had okay, a little natural, more yeah, natural a little too. more natural, okay, and I didn't fair. have my fingers getting in the way of the screen. Yeah, but so. with the Game Watch in the 80s, yes. those opened those doors for those LCD games, Absolutely. and they were everywhere. Every off-brand company in the world was putting them out. I yeah. remember I had one that I used to play to death. It was just a little LCD game, but I would take it with me on car trips and stuff because it was small and just put in my pocket, but it was sure. really just a dinosaur running back and forth while a, a, a pterodactyl would come and drop eggs, and you had to like catch the eggs that it was, you sure. know, just yeah. little stupid things like that. Simple, very simple, yeah. simple, simple game type. Very simple type of game um, that you would have found in 70s arcades yeah. and, and Maybe on Atari. That yeah, sort of and thing, Nintendo right? actually put out some other ones that were. I technically they could be considered handheld. Now that I'm an adult, I could probably hold it in my hand. But they were tabletop <laughs> oh, uh, sure. style LCD games. Like uh, I had the Popeye one that was actually it was nice because it was colored and it was backlit and everything. Okay. They were those ones that looked like a little arcade cabinet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. The you know just that the 1980 release of the Game and Watch really kind of changed. Yeah. That type of market and, and it's almost kind of a little sad to think about it like that those have kind of gone the wayside, even just the simple... Well, y- yes. There's a collector's market for I, them out there. But what I would say is that uh, I would say that the Switch is definitely like the great-great-grandchild of the Game & Watch. Definitely. Well, I mean, you can even... And we'll talk about this further down, but yeah. the Game & Watch, just like the design of them themselves mm-hmm. is still seen. Yes. You know, yeah. in, in the handheld market. Well, but isn't, that, isn't that where Nintendo's D-pad came from, was the Game & Watch? Yeah. Device? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that they yeah. ended up using on the Nintendo controllers, right. and it, it just it changed yeah. gaming all over because right. they used that for the NES, mm-hmm. which changed well, the way controllers worked, and you know it just went on and mm-hmm. on and on. Right. Um, but yeah, so they they had a good a good 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 long life with the uh, the Game and Watch series. Yeah. You know, eleven years put out ridiculous amounts of them. Uh, the the so mascot Game and Watch actually Mr. is Game in, Watch is yeah, in, yeah the Super is Smash in the Brothers Smash Brothers series and everything. It, it's a Brand that is synonymous with handheld gaming to the handheld gaming community and to retro gaming and everything like that. Right. But it's starting to get a little bit more notice from the community at large because right. of including, you know, the Game & Watch character so, in the so, uh, Smash games. Uh, sorry to interrupt you at the no, tail end okay. there. But it was, it was, it's interesting to me that uh, 1980 is when the Game Watch came out. And you said that it uh, they ran it for 11 years, which would be 1991. Mm-hmm. And I believe the next thing on your list there, if I'm looking ahead, is the, the Nintendo Game Boy. Which uh, released in 1988. 89. 89. Yeah. Okay. So Nintendo has this history of, uh, as much as we just kind of joked about the 3DS not quite being dead yet, um, Nintendo has this history of not killing a thing until a couple of years into the next thing. Yeah. Right? So if the Game Boy came out in 88, 89, depending on what country you're in. Oh, they definitely, they get their money's worth. And right. And they, they, they get their, as much content on their their yeah. things as they possibly so, can. Right. So the, the Game & Watch kept going into the life of the Game Boy, the NES kept going into the life of the Super NES, the Super NES kept going into the life of the N64, the N64 kept going into the life of the GameCube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. ad nauseum. Like, 
yeah, this is a pattern that we see with Nintendo where they're like, hey, we made a new thing. We know you're not going to adopt the new thing right Except away, for the everyone. Wii U. There are exceptions <laughs> and some bad business decisions. Yes. Uh, they didn't. There were still a couple of Wii U games that came out at the same time as the Switch, though. Uh, I, I can tell you. I, I, well, it's further down on my bought list. Breath of the Wild on the Wii U, but. <laughs> I didn't even know it was out on the Wii U. I don't think it is. Oh, think okay. It is. Uh, I, say, I thought that was a. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty a sure that, switch that like selling point. Switch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there, there, there are there were some games that were coming out on the Wii U um, into the Switch's lifespan for about six months. Yeah. Now the fact that no third party developers made anything ever for the Wii U basically uh, that's not Nintendo's fault. Yeah. You know. Um, and yeah, they had like what Zombie U, and that was about it. I mean, they had the Batman Arkham games, and there 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 were a lot of yeah. And those were technically ports, though. Those they, weren't really were made ports. for yeah because they were. Re, there are updates of games that had come out on previous generations. It's true. It's you know. true. Um, but they are still third-party titles. They are. You know, and Nintendo does have the requirement that if you're going to put something on one of their consoles, it has to be different than other versions. Yeah. And so if it is, you know, the game of the year edition or whatever, and it's here, it's the game with all the DLC. Well, that's yeah. different than the PlayStation version. Yeah. Fair so, enough. Fair you know. enough. Yeah. To be fair. All right. Yeah. And then we had in 1989 the uh, the all-time grand champion mm-hmm. of the handheld gaming universe, the Game Boy. Um, and the Game Boy, if I'm not mistaken, up until I think the PS2 was the best-selling video game console of all time, handheld or uh It still might up. be just... It might be. I think the PS2 eventually outsold it. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, in units sold, maybe? In units sold, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That'd be an interesting. We'll, we'll um, have to update that at some point. But I believe that. that that stat includes the Game Boy, the Game Boy Color, and the Game Boy Advance. I think it's like the Game Boy Family. Yeah. If you count all of them, I think it. I think it's the. It may have everything, um, but just the original. Oh man, if you count the Advance as well. Mm-hmm. That number is huge. Yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah. I would be. I would be if you put the entire Game Boy Family. Like I would be hard pressed to believe that anything would have, have right. outsold it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like oh, if it boy. did. I mean, I'm not going to say it didn't. But it just like it would be shocking to me to find out that then the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, like all those. Like, wow, that's yeah. I think I myself have owned five different things titled Game Boy in the course. Oh, of Oh yeah, life. for sure. Right. I, I, I know. And for I'm not. Sh- I have I'm a, not a big portable gaming guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we haven't gotten down that that far yet, but sure. I know I've owned several different versions of the Game Boys and everything over uh-huh. the year, and, and we'll we'll get into that. Let's yeah. let's talk about the Game Boy for a little sure. bit. Sure. Um, now this came out. It's not by today's standards impressive whatsoever. No, uh, I think it's one of my a, favorite things about the Game Boy that's come out recently is the the um, uh, was it the Fine Brothers react videos, right? It's kids react to the Game Boy. Yeah. And one of the things that one of the kids says first is, "Oh, it's a phone case," <laughs> because that's all that this kid has ever like. They've seen the yeah the, the Game Boy phone the cases. Game Boy design is classic. Yeah. But this kid has only ever seen it as a phone case. Yeah. Ouch! Yeah, ouch! And it's uh, it's bigger than an actual phone it is, by today's standards. It is huge. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it's quite a hefty thing. If you pick yeah. one up today, if you if you've got one out there, uh, go go grab it, pick it up, and and be shocked at how much how large it is I, uh, compared to most of the electronics you have sitting around your house today. Yeah, I got one from uh, a, a Christmas party at uh, my previous job before I started working here, and. Um, yeah, I forgot how big it's. It's like three iPhones thick. Oh yeah, like it's 
huge. Oh, yeah. You yeah. could do some damage if, if you dropped that and hit somebody on the head. Well, like, and there's the story <laughs> of the one that went to Desert Storm and yeah. got blown up. It still and works. It and still works. Yeah, it's still in a museum, still running Tetris, yeah. plugged in. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's amazing. That is, it, that that is, is, that is ridiculous. Yeah. They built those things to last. And I yes. can test for that because I still have the one that I saved up and bought money mowing lawns as a kid. <laughs> I still have it. Replace the screen a couple times on it because, you know, the border around it would start to peel or something. So you oh, go sure. and get the replacement screens yeah. at the Walmart or something. Mm-hmm. I think the one I have on it, the last one I had in the pack I had bought was like a blue border with like sports figures or something. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. just, they were all generic. And, you know, just that was a hefty system, though. I mean, mm-hmm. you could drop mm-hmm. that thing, kick it across the room, you know, just other than dropping it in a puddle, you couldn't kill the Game Boy. Which, you know, and it, it's uh, one of my f- fondest, I guess, memories of playing Game Boy um, was when I was going to a summer camp. And I want to say this was 1993 or 94. Uh, probably 93 now that I think about it. Um, one of the kids that I went to camp with, like, you know, the school bus came and picked us up to just to go to day camp. Right? Yeah. And um, one of like the second or third stop after mine, one of the kids got on and he had the original Game Boy and he had a big, thick, maroon, like foam case on it, right? And it'd be the equivalent of like an OtterBox on a cell phone now. Was it one of the Nerf brand cases? I don't think it was Nerf brand, but it may okay. as well have been. Because they um, did make Nerf Nerf brand cases for different Game Boys and I things like that. I 100% believe that, that that's a, yeah. Uh, but I remember him having the original Mortal Kombat on Game Boy. Nice. Which, speak about like, uh, so one of the things about Game Boy is like it, it I mean, yeah, it, everyone knows Tetris on Game Boy. Oh, and, yeah. And Super Mario Land, right? And it has a it, ridiculous it does. library. It does. Uh, but, you know, there's maybe a dozen games that people think about when they think of games. Oh, play, yeah. Right? It's Tetris, Mario, Pokemon, right? Like, yeah, mostly uh, first-party stuff. Yeah. Um, but Very had, few of the third-party games. I mean, right. the Zelda. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's yeah. all that people think um, about. Yeah, maybe, maybe like the Castlevania Adventure, um, Final Fantasy Legend, which is actually Secret of Mana 1. Right. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. There was the Legends. Dyson. What was it? Legend one, two, and three. I think, or something like that, on uh, Game Boy, or is it just one and two? Oh, I, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, they, they put out several Final Fantasy games there, on the Game there Boy. There are several Final Fantasy games. games were. Yeah, um, but the one that is Seiken Densetsu one yeah. uh, got renamed in America the Final Fantasy Adventure, which is why it doesn't play like Final Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, just playing a port of MK one on a Game Boy, it was like, well, this isn't very good. Because I, I, I don't know if I had Mortal Kombat on Genesis or if I just rented it a lot or if my neighbor had it, something like that. Uh, some of my gaming memories get a little blurry. Um, but, yeah, playing it was like, this isn't very good, but this is better than not playing Mortal Kombat at all. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, I'm on the bus going to summer camp and playing this, Mortal Kombat. Playing Mortal Kombat. That was a big deal. That's pretty yeah. damn cool, right? Uh, I mean, there, you know, it was, it was a Nintendo console, so there was no blood. There was, you know, I, the, the fatalities were super toned down. And the yeah. graphics were, you know, basic pixel art, you know, 8-bit if you were lucky. Um, yeah, I remember I had the Mortal Kombat 2 on the uh, the Game Boy, and when yeah. uh, Liu Kang would do his fatality, it would, the dragon it uh-huh. would go to just bite you, and you just kind of disappear. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't actually like, it just, its mouth would go over the person, yep. and they'd just be gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, let's see, I ended up with, um, from the Play It Loud series, uh, the green Game Boy. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, I ended yeah. up with one of those when my mom worked at the high school I was going to and a kid moved to a different state 
and uh, left his Game Boy behind. Left, yeah, the, the Game Boy got left behind in my mom's desk, and so at the end of the year, she was like, "Well, this kid never came back and claimed the Game Boy, so here you go." Oh. Um, so I got a free Game Boy out of it. Somewhere out there, there's some bitter oh, guy yeah. going, yeah. "That teacher stole my Game Boy when I was a kid." I think it was a girl. Oh. If, I, if I remember correctly, I think it was a gal that had, uh, and and it was just it was a Game Boy in Mario Land, like it wasn't yeah. even you know, but it was the it was the green play the first Mario Land. Yeah. yeah, 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 not six golden coins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, which was it's crazy uh, looking back at those games. Mm-hmm. The difference in the graphics quality between in, Super, between Mario, Super Land. Mario and Super Mario Land Two. Yeah, even just the initial launch titles of Game Boy games, those first yeah. like ten or twelve titles. Yeah. to Link's Awakening. Yeah, is Huge. insane. Well, and so um, uh, Josh Parrish, I believe, is his name. Um, does a, a series on YouTube, and it's it's NES Works, and it's like the history of Nintendo games in order of release. Oh wow! Uh, and he does one uh, that's you know Super NES Works and Game Boy Works. Yeah. Um, and so I've watched. I haven't watched every single one of his videos because there's like 300 of them now. Um, and I think it's he's up to like in, in the Nintendo. He's up through I think like about to hit Castlevania two era. Yeah. Um, but the Game Boy ones, yeah, it's it is really fascinating to look at the launch titles of, like, Tetris and Super Mario Land and some of those early puzzle games. Yeah. And to just just a couple years in, or just a year in, like the Castlevania Adventure or um, uh, what was the Contra? The Con- Is it just the Contra Adventure, right? Konami just confused yeah, the Adventure. Was, yeah. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, because they were trying to distinguish uh, separately from the... From the console version. Console version, yeah. Because right. they, they didn't want people to get disappointed when they opened up the Game Boy 1 and it's, it's like, like, this oh, isn't this the isn't same game I play. Yeah. Yeah, that's why uh, oh, it's Castlevania Adventure. Right. Yeah. And then they're... Um, was there a Gradius port? Was that Salamander, right? Or was it Salamander in Japan and, and Gradius? And I think it was I, just Gradius and... Okay. I know, I know I had a Gradius game of some kind okay. for my Game Boy. Yeah. I don't know which one it was, um, but, but I remember playing it till... Yeah, regardless, like, contra- the, the, the Konami games on Game Boy look like black and white NES games. Yeah. Right? Whereas those first couple that came out did not... I mean, they looked like first-generation NES games. Yeah. Right? They look like those first-year Famicom games. Yeah, and what's ridiculous is that when you got into the later, the, like, the SNES mm-hmm. era, and you still have the Game Boy... Right. You're getting SNES almost quality games. Like, it's still toned down to a Game Boy. Sure. But, but you're getting that almost... Super, yeah, Super yeah. Mario Land 2, Six Golden Coins, the Mario sprite looks like the one from Super Mario World. Yeah. It's toned down. Well, it's, even, it's a little more simplified because he's only two colors, but... Yeah, and even like I said it earlier, that Mortal Kombat 2 game, like, yeah. I, they, I couldn't... They couldn't give me like multiples of the different ninjas because of the palette swaps. You could really do a one that looks light and one that looks dark. That's right. all you could really do. Right. But even though it was still very clear that it looked like the actors, the yeah. motion capture actors yeah. from the thing, like the Jacks, you know, Jacks little looked like icon Jacks. looked like Jacks. Yeah. Like it, it was, it was amazing for what it was. And, and, I mean, and the Game Boy's resolution is like it's like one. 44 by like 128 like it's it's tiny yeah like it is unacceptably well, small by today's standards let's talk about something else for it the accessories for the game boy oh boy. oh my goodness yeah now there was the ridiculous ones where you would get the thing where it was a giant and it had like fold-out speakers on the side and a magnifying glass and like giant joysticks and like bigger buttons and like mm-hmm. you had some ridiculous things that sure. like that but then you also had a, like handy ones that was like the Nintendo uh, brand ones. It was like the handy light, which was literally just a thing uh-huh. you put over the top that had a little magnifying glass that had a light on it, yep. so you could play it instead of having to play by a street light in the dark when right. you're on a <laughs> right. <laughs> which is something kids today. They no, that is that is something to be said for modern handhelds. Is that uh, everyone kind of forgets that the old ones had terrible, like there's no backlighting on them. Yeah, right. So if you're not under a lamp, 
you know, you like, and you have to find that angle where you don't get the glare, but you can yeah. still see the screen, right? Like, yeah, it, it was it was a challenge in a lot yeah. of times. Too. Yeah, and like I remember being a kid and uh, you know traveling and stuff like that, and it would be you know we it wouldn't be too late, but we'd be driving mm-hmm. or something coming back from grandma's house or whatever else, right. and you know be playing my Game Boy in the dark or something. You know, we get into a spot, and we'd be like, hey, I need you to turn off that light for a little while, you know, because yeah. this bright light coming out of the back seat right. when he's trying to drive. Yeah, and <laughs> there's glare on the windshield yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you know, that's something that you know a lot of people are going to miss today. But other accessories they had. I mean, yeah. there was a sewing machine. That could be attached there. to the Game Boy. <laughs> there, uh, you know, the, the Game Boy camera, probably one of the most famous accessories uh-huh. of all time, which is still used by a lot of people today. Yeah, uh, that is still considered one of the the best early digital cameras. Yeah, that's probably. And it, it, it's, it's in history. I can't remember what the exact stat is. It was like one of the uh, the the earliest uh, portable digitals or something like. That. It was something, okay. yeah, some kind of thing where it's still in history books as like huh. you know one of those things. But that's cool. Yeah, there was all kinds. Of, I mean, you could print out pictures with that and stickers. I, I was going to say, like, yeah, I I have I did not have a Game Boy camera, but uh, yeah. some of my friends did. And they were like, yeah, I remember going to Walmart or Blockbuster or whatever, and going to the little kiosk and putting in the the thing and printing out stickers of the photos I took with my Game Boy. And I was like, that is absurd. Yeah. Like, the fact that that existed yeah, it was, is so absurd. It was a lot of fun. And then they released, uh, because a little while later they had put out more versions of the Game Boy and everything, they mm-hmm. released, uh, you know, newer versions of games that were compatible with the camera and stuff right. and everything. Yeah. So they did a lot about that. Yeah. But Game Boy history doesn't end with the first Game Boy, though. No. And there were competitors. There were. There, there were, were a lot of really fun competitors. Yeah. The same year the Game Boy released, uh-huh. uh, the Atari company released the Lynx. Dude, okay. Which so, is the first color, full color, yes. handheld gaming system. Other great trivia about the Lynx is that it was both left and right-handed, right? So oh, that's right. There's a D-pad and there are uh, effectively A and B buttons. I don't remember what they're labeled, but uh, yeah, there are, there's a D-pad and A and B buttons on both sides. So, or maybe it was just, I don't remember the exact setup, but you could, pl- you could play your Lynx one way or you could rotate it around and, and it, it understood... And I don't know if there was a switch or something, but you could play it. So if you were left-handed, you could play it with the D-pad on the right and the buttons on the left, which is the opposite of how yeah. all the other ones were, which is no one else has done that ever. No. Right? Like, even with all the weird accelerometers and stuff we have in, like, iPhones. Yeah, like, even my 3DS, like, I've got the one of the new 3DS XL yeah. with all the joysticks and the extra buttons yeah. and everything else on there. Even that one, you can't control with the right stick. It's nope. still the left stick. Yep. There's no, yep. I, don't, I don't think there's the, any options in any of them to the, use that. The Switch, right? Both Joy-Con that are on the Switch, you have your, your analog stick and you have a diamond of the four buttons, right, on both sides. There's yeah. no reason you couldn't swap the Switch Joy-Cons to be reversed. Yeah. You know, and they just, they don't do it. <laughs> but, no, I don't know. Switch. Can't you, like, is it uncomfortable to just swap them in your hands? Well, you couldn't. Uh, you, then all your up and downs would be backward. Like the up and down would be like everything would be reversed. Oh that yeah, way, yeah, right? yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so you couldn't just even you can't though, just remove the Joy Cons and now. Well, well, I wasn't thinking. I was thinking like because can't you use them just in your hands while you have the thing in front of you to play on it? I guess you could. Couldn't you just? Yeah. Like. Just literally put the Joy-Con in the opposite hand? Yeah. Because your up and down would still be the same. It just I, – I, I don't have one, so I don't know how they feel or anything. So I, that's why I'm asking. Like, it, could you, you do that? You one? might be able to, but again, I feel like the – to hold it comfortably, I think your uh, controls get reversed that way. Yeah. Okay. So Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, the Lynx. Um, yeah, Lynx is a lot of fun. Atari. Yeah, I really, I never owned one, but I, I had a friend either. that owned one. Okay, uh, I remember playing Rygar on it. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's about the only the extent <laughs> of my my Atari Lynx memories or I knowledge. Seem to recall being at like a cousin's house or a friend's house, and their cousins like. Like it, it, a friend of a friend of a friend or whatever had a yeah. Lynx and I got to play one one time and I got to play Ninja Gaiden on it. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was yeah. Ninja Gaiden on the Lynx. I mean, it was, I remember right? getting to play like, oh, cool, this has got color. Like, yeah. Just being that. But I also remember we only got to play it for a little while because the batteries died. The battery life on the Lynx was <laughs> terrible. Um, and that was, that was one thing that Game Boy had advantage of over its competition over the years yes. and why its life stayed so long was, yes, it took four AA batteries. But, but it, it only took four, four AA, AA batteries, batteries for like eight hours of life. Right. Whereas everything else took like six AA batteries for like two hours yeah. of life. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. If two hours of life. Yeah. And the Lynx also had uh, the same issue that the whatever is probably the next thing on your thing is probably the Game Gear. Um, Turbo Express. Oh, 1990. Wait, I, I definitely want to talk about the Turbo Express. But yeah, 1990, the Turbo Express and the Game Gear okay. came out to the so market. So the Game Gear and the Lynx had the issue where the screens that were used on them, and this is, I mean, I'm sure that Atari and Sega did the best they could at the time with the technology that they yeah. had available, um, but the contrast on those screens is really bad. Yeah. Like, they, the screens are just bright and light, and they just don't work yeah, like yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. everything is too light, and I don't know if it's just maybe I need to. Well, and the resolution almost so bad because it's just they're so tiny sure, and it was right. color. And and it, yeah, it, just and there's it was so the many things. It was yeah, the beginning of it a was genre. super early technology. So, right. so you know, if, even, if they'd have waited a couple of years to try to put one out, it might have <laughs> it done might better. Have. It might have. Uh, just if they had waited to perfect the technology before trying to yeah. cash in on the market. Yeah. Uh, but they, well, and the everybody Lynx, had to try to get in there against Nintendo. Well, so here's the funny story about that is the Lynx was actually supposed to come out before the Game Boy did. Oh, really? And it would have killed the Game Boy. But there were manufacturing errors somewhere along the line. Um, and somebody at Atari, I want to say, didn't believe in the project. So mm-hmm. they didn't care to rush it out. So I wonder if it would have killed the Game Boy, though, just because of the titles. Because Nintendo had such a dominance in the market for the games for sure. and name recognition at the time. Yeah. And Nint- Atari, their name never recovered no. after the video game collapse. Right. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, to um, the point where people literally used to call I mean, it, today, a lot of the time, older folks will say, oh, what are you doing? Playing Nintendo? No matter what video game you're playing right. or somebody's playing, they'll say, are you playing Nintendo? Yeah. And before that, it was, oh, are you playing some Atari? Even if it was ColecoVision the, or yeah, whatever. The, yeah. the American Lexicon changed yeah. to Nintendo. Yeah, that's how much right. of a branding that's, it was. That's 100% true. So I wonder if it, it like, I'm mean, not saying that it wouldn't have taken some of the market share away, but I mm-hmm. wonder if it really, especially because the price point, that was the one of the, that's, one of the major yeah. killing factors of the links when you go back and look at it, it, it cost double the price of the Game Boy. It did. Yeah. And it didn't come with a game. No, but it was in color. It was. <laughs> but right. when, so, when sitting on the shelf next to it is half price. Yeah. And it's got a big picture of an included game. Yeah. And it's Nintendo brand. And it's got the Nintendo brand yeah. on it. That's a lot of incentive to pick yeah, that thing up. That's that uh, that's hard yeah. to argue, especially yeah. in the you know, early nineties. Yeah. You know, late eighties and early nineties yeah. when yeah. you're sitting there going like the kids got a Nintendo and they play the crap out of that thing. Yeah. I had an Atari. Uh-huh. It didn't. I remember E.T. I'm going to buy a Game Boy. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. you know, it just yeah. it's that that's that's a hard uh, hard thing to to. Uh, you're not wrong. As much as I liked the lengths, and it was mm-hmm. fun. Okay, so the Turbo Express you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, here's the thing: I never owned a Game Gear, so I don't have a lot to say about it. Uh, my my cousin I did had one later in life. Okay. I, I bought one just because it, you know I, I enjoy retro gaming and everything. I think sure. I, I still own it. Uh, I think I only have the one game for it still. Okay. Um, it, my, it's my a decent little handheld. It just sure. it it's the killing factor for it is its battery life. Yeah. It just you have to have okay. the cord to plug it in if which you have kills, a model that has the, the cord to plug it in. Because yeah. if I remember, I could be wrong on this. I you know I'm not willing to say oh no I'm absolute on this. But if I remember right, there are models that on the Game Gear there might have been models that didn't have the AC adapter. I don't think they had enough time. I don't think the Game Gear was alive long enough to make multiple versions of it. I know there was a blue one. There was a Sega Sports Blue Game Gear, yeah. uh, which they later also packed in with the Lion King. Um, when that was a thing. But I don't think the Game Gear ever got a redesign at all. So I think there is just the one. Maybe it was different size adapters. I don't know. There was something Maybe. with the, like, not being compatible or not having something with the AC adapter that was part of the reason it killed it. Yeah. I don't remember what it is exactly. I, Doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Battery life on those things was terrible. Yes. Yeah. And uh, especially if you had to turn the brightness up or you're trying to play in a yeah. dark area, then, then it just it kills one, your battery. The one thing that is really cool, uh, there were a couple of things that were really cool about the Game Gear. One is that it was basically, yeah, it was basically a portable Sega Master System. Yeah. Like it basically had the architecture of the Sega yeah. Master System. Yeah, had some great games for it. It did, yeah. Uh, to this day, I still think Columns is one of the best puzzle games. I play, and <laughs> ironically, I play Columns on my Switch yeah. today. The Game so. Gear version of Columns is still one of my all-time favorite Yeah. Yeah, like I just I love that puzzle game. Um, the version of Sonic the Hedgehog we got on Master System is the version of Sonic the Hedgehog on Game Gear. No, oh, okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah, it's literally go. the same game, the same one. Um, also, the Game Gear had a TV tuner. Yes, it did. Right, it had well, the, So did the Turbo Express. The Turbo Express did. Uh, so I, Josh, I owned a Turbo Graphics sixteen. Um, uh, we can go into one of the few. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people did. Um, just not in the United States. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would still love to find one. If, if I could find one, I would still buy it just I, because I can they were find TurboGrafxes, and I can even find them with the Turbo, Turbo uh, CD player, but they are so expensive. Yeah, now, that's the problem. Right? Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of like a uh, Neo Geo. Right. I would love to own a Neo yeah. Geo. Yep. Yep. But being able to afford a Neo Geo is yeah. a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, but the thing, so, and then. Uh, Konami actually owns the rights to the Turbo Graphics now. Oh, um, I, somehow they acquired them from NEC, and they have announced the Turbo Graphics Mini that'll be coming out next year. Um, I did see something about pre-orders that. are available yeah. on Amazon right now. It's like a hundred dollars. You get fifty games in air quotes. Um, some of the games are an English version and a Japanese version of the same game. Yeah, um, but there are you know regional differences, so there is a reason to do that. Yeah, uh, however, I saw it's going to be better than the uh, the Neo Geo. Oh. <laughs> uh, portable or mini, whatever. Yeah, that thing was kind uh, of a... Whereas it, like, it's not going to require proprietary controllers or all right, kinds of weird other right. neat stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's some misinformation being spread about the TurboGrafx. I, I saw some stuff on Reddit today, on the, the TurboGrafx subreddit, um, about, like, oh, he's only got the one controller port and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, the original TurboGrafx had one controller port. Yeah. But the mini has two USB ports. So, which presumably you'll be able to use controllers for that. Yeah. Um, regardless, we're not talking about that. We're talking it's about a mini Turbo. anyway. It is. Like, I mean, yeah. we're, Listen, it, it's... You're getting, you're getting like 45 games for $100. Yeah. Like, that's a good deal. Yeah. Also, one of them is Castlevania Rondo of Blood, 
which never really got a proper release in the United States. Yeah, it's in it's in some pack-in games, like some other pack-in Castlevania things, but they're all console exclusive. Anyways, we're not talking about that. Turbo Express yes. uh, was great because it literally took the hue cards from your TurboGrafx-16 and you put them into effectively a an all-black Game Boy, right? And you were playing your TurboGrafx games on the go. So if you were into Bonk's Adventure, if you were into, I don't know, Ninja Spirit, that was a super fun game. Yeah. Uh, if you had, I don't know, Splatterhouse, right? You could just play on that on the go, 16 bits in, well, two 8-bit processors in your hand. Yeah. You know, and just like, yeah. It had the same problem as the Lynx and the, the Game Gear where it just killed Battery the yeah. batteries. Yeah. Like it was, I think it was eight AA batteries. I may be mistaken on that. It was six or eight. And you got like. I believe like, it was eight what I was reading earlier. Yeah. Like, because it, it showed it, it was like the. the like the double. tower style, uh-huh. yeah. uh, handheld and everything. If I remember right, it showed it like the back panel had like eight AA batteries yeah, in it. It was, was a lot. Yeah, it was like a double stack of batteries. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of batteries for that thing. Um, but you were playing a portable Turbo Graphics. Yeah. Now there were some issues with that. Um, again, I didn't own one, but I, you know, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend yeah, had yeah, one. Yeah. I got to play it once. Um, sometimes it made the text really hard to read because the screen resolution was so small that yeah. that text was designed for a television, and when you shrink it down that small, like it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't scale very well. Yeah. Um, but like whatever, right? <laughs> I'm playing Bonk on the go. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, those were both great Game Gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was a fun system, Turbo Express. Mm-hmm. If you could afford one, yeah, fun system. Well, the, and the Turbo Express wasn't expensive at the. I mean, it was it was more expensive than the Game Boy, but it wasn't like outrageously priced at the time. It's just it has gone up in value because nobody bought them, and so yeah. there aren't. A yeah, lot I believe of them at the time they were like, uh, if I remember right, when I was reading earlier, it was like one hundred ninety nine. Yeah, two hundred sounds about yeah. right. Yeah, which. By today's standards, it's definitely not expensive for no. a handhold system no. or any system. But right. but at those that time, it was like it was it was Game Boy's eighty nine. Yeah, it's, you know? yeah, that's true. So. But the if you were already a Turbo Graphics kid, you yeah. already had a library of games. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, all right, let's spend a little more on the console, but I don't have to buy more yeah. games. Problem is translating that over to an adult that doesn't know it's all video games. Yeah, I, I felt <laughs> at like, the time. At the time, I feel like uh, a lot of parents uh, they, were checked out. It was just it's yeah. all video games. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know, kind of thing. My, my, but, uh, my parents are a little more, or at least my dad was a little more understanding about that sort of thing. Yeah. If I said, no, I could use these games on this thing, he that would be an incentive for him to buy the new thing, like yeah, a yeah, Turbo yeah. Express over a Game Boy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, eh. Yeah. yeah was, there. My dad was more of a like, okay, you saved up enough money for it, I'll take you over to the store and you can buy the yeah. thing that you want to buy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's fair, too. Uh, yeah. 1994. I, I know what you're about to say. A black and mark uh, no. on Nintendo's oh. long oh. history. Oh, this guy. This this boy. Yes. Yeah. The ill-fated. You said a black mark? Yes. I think it's a red mark. Well, we're going with the business sense here. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, so red. Definitely not in the red for it. No, well, no red is oh, better. Oh, yeah, that's right. It is red yeah. mark. Red yeah. is better. It is better. It's I'm, all, all sorry, red. it's Friday. I'm tired. I'm ready it's, to go to bed. Uh, yeah, so anyway, Virtual Boy. Yeah, I played one. All right. Legitimately, I have played Virtual Boy one time. It was in 1994 in a Toys R Us. They had a kiosk. Yeah. And I was like, cool, let me try out this thing because it was 1994 and virtual reality was all the rage. Let me try this Nintendo's virtual reality thing. Now, I, 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 I was an avid subscriber to GamePro Magazine and I would pick up the occasional Electronic Gaming Monthly. Yeah. Uh, so I knew all going in, cool, it's monochrome and it's black and red. What I was not prepared for 
was the eye strain I got when I looked into the real world again. <laughs> playing the Virtual Boy was fine. Like, people are like, oh, this is eye strain. It's like, no, when you're playing it, or at least for me, when I played it, it was, it was fine. Once you pulled your head off. But once you pulled your head away thing. from that black and red world and you went back to color, oh, boy, was it a trip. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I, it was similar. The only experience I had with it as a kid was sitting there. It was like a KB toy or something in yeah. the mall. I don't mm-hmm. remember what it was. But going in there and like, oh, they've got one. And, you know, walking up to it and playing it for a little while and everything. Yeah. And my dad coming up and tapping me on the shoulder and going, hey, we got to go. And pulling my head off of it and, and like being almost yeah. dizzy and yeah. like taking it's it so in. so disorienting. Yeah. And uh, that listen, was like, mad one. to Keith Apicary for being a virtual boy enthusiast and duct taping one to his head in one of his videos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then walking around with a virtual boy duct taped to his face. <laughs> that being said, though, I did have fun when I was playing the Virtual Boy. I was yeah. playing that Mario Tennis game, yeah. and it was it was it's, fun, and it looked the, really good. The like, thing, and so going back to the the Josh Paris's, he does the Virtual Boy works too, yeah. right? And I think he just got through all the NES release or uh, the US releases because there's only like thirteen of them. Yeah, um, it's like Waterworld, Wario, and Tennis. It's yeah, like about basically, it. there's there's like thirteen games, and like. Not that any of them are great, but none of them are like actively bad. No, right? No. Some of they're them good. Had, Most of them are Nintendo quality games. They, a lot of them would have been great if they were on the Game Boy. Yeah. And yeah. most of them have never been ported to anything except the Virtual Boy. Like, they, none of them ever got ported to anything no, else. So if no, you they, want to play Wario Clash, you have to buy a Virtual yeah, Boy. Unfortunately. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was that's probably the biggest black mark on there. I mean, we, people want to laugh about the Wii U. I, no, the Wii U's nothing compared, compared to the Virtual to Boy. Compared to the Virtual Boy, yeah. no. That, that was a that 1994 was a, was a weird time in video games, though, right? Because that was, we knew the Saturn was coming. We knew mm-hmm. the PlayStation was coming. The Virtual Boy kind of snuck up on us out of nowhere. We knew Project Reality, which was then retitled the Ultra 64, which is then retitled the Nintendo. Like, we knew that the N64 was coming. We knew the Saturn was coming. Like, and then it was like, here's the 32X from Sega. Yeah. Which, like, why? Like, why? Why? Yeah. We're talking about portable stuff, so we'll. Well, I mean, this works perfectly because it goes into my no- my next point, which was in 1995. Uh huh. The Nomad. And the Sega Nomad. Here's the thing. All praise to Nintendo for the glory that is the Switch. But the Nomad did everything you're doing first. It did, but in a <laughs> terrible way. Oh no! I, uh, Nomad was great because you got to play your Sega games it handheld. Was a portable Sega Genesis with a six-button controller right on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't think about the fact that uh, this this portable Sega uh-huh. is going to drain okay. batteries yeah. like you wouldn't uh, believe. Again, this goes- and the AC adapter we're going to give you, you can't go more than three feet away from your wall. Well, okay. Okay, so, listen, it's not And it's not perfect. a rechargeable AC adapter. It's a plug-and-play <laughs> AC adapter. You know what I think it was? I think it's that the Game Gear's adapter was not compatible with the Nomad, and I think that might be the Game Gear thing. Maybe that's probably what I was thinking yeah. of, probably. And and that was a flaw on Sega's part. That's I, probably I, what it was. I will I, say that. I do remember reading things about, um, like, the AC adapter for the Nomad was so short, right. you couldn't, like, sit and play it with right. it plugged in, right. and it didn't charge... Batteries, you had to put battery. Like, it was just yeah. it was one of those like design flaw yeah. waiting yeah. to happen, and and yeah. that is probably what killed the Nomad. No, what killed the Nomad is it was 1995, and the Saturn had just come out. <laughs> and why am I going to buy another Genesis when I have just bought a Genesis, a Genesis Model Two? Well, I uh, think a lot uh, of people liked the thought of being able to like yeah, I, bring I have actual this whole games. library of Genesis games yeah. that like yeah, I can get rid of my Genesis and keep my no- like have a Nomad, and it was it was one of those things. I remember like hoping Nintendo was going to put one out. You could also hook the Nomad up to your television. There yeah, was, there were controller ports on it, so you could use you could use one, your use the Nomad as the as, as the controller. 
controller, mm-hmm. and it was literally the console hooked up to your TV, and then Player Two could plug into the Nomad, and you could be playing two-player yeah. games on your Nomad on your TV. Which I think more probably people probably used it that way. I, well, that's, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, it was a great, great, great idea. Just did not well, sell. And, and I think there, it didn't sell because of 1995, and so much was coming out. Right, and it goes back to my point of ninety, like ninety four, ninety five, ninety six was just a weird time in video yeah. games where video games were so successful, but we had been burned. Like the Genesis was great, the Sega CD was okay, the thirty two X was kind of a bummer. Oh come on, and man! Sewer Shark, you don't want to play that over and over and Sewer over Shark's again. Sewer Shark's great. I love Sewer Shark. It was it was great the first time that I played it, and then the second yeah. time when I went left instead of right, and then I played it both directions. <laughs> I mean, sure. Uh, <laughs> however, you want to play Sewer Sharks, up to you, man. Um, no. I'll just say, like, it was just—it was one of those, like, a lot of those Sega CD games. They were—they were a great idea, but the fact that they were all FMV games. Well, yeah. And it wasn't and like it was, it was the replay on them is not great. Is non-existent basically. Yeah, like Night Trap, like I could try some different. Yeah. Directions. Yeah. You know, so, like try to get them in this trap instead of that trap. Kind yeah. of, but for the most part, you got to do the same thing every time. Um, Sewer Shark, you had like a couple different. Paths you could take. Yeah. You know. yeah. Sorry. No, going okay. into a whole random so, thing. Right. So Genesis is great. Sega CD was okay. 32X was kind of dead on arrival, um, which sort of killed people's confidence in Sega going into the Saturn. Yeah. Also, there's the wonderful 299 announcement that Sony made at E3 about, which basically killed that killed the Saturn. Well, that and the Saturn releasing as a surprise. Right. Yeah. Oh, so many things about that. That, that killed the Saturn so, more than so anything, So many things were wrong with the Saturn's launch. Um, but like, also... Wait, I can buy it now? Also, the Panasonic 3DO, also the Gold Star 3DO, yeah. also, yeah, uh, also the CDI. Like, there were just too many video games in the span of 1993 to 1996. And I honestly, I think part of the problem with the Nomad is had it come out a year later, had it come out in 96 or maybe even 97, I think it would have done better. If you were like... Oh, this is great! I, no, I, I agree. If, if know, they'd have waited just a little while, while to put it out, right? And or if they had not released the 32x. Well, and then also <laughs> maybe wait a little bit longer to put it out and work on the technology on it a little bit more. Yeah, you know what I mean. They, they didn't need to put out a portable handheld Sega right away. They could have been like, no. "Hey, let's wait and figure out some rechargeable battery issues or do something like that, yeah. make this a little better." Because then when we're like people aren't thinking about Sega, we can put this out and they'd be like, "Oh, I got a bunch of games. I can play that right now." Right. Right. And it probably would have done a little bit better. I think so. I think the Nomad is a wonderful again there were techno, there were technological limitations yeah. at the time of its release. Yes, it should have had a better better life, better life. Yes, it should have had a longer cord for the AC adapter. Absolutely. That's inexcusable. But as a piece of technology, the Nomad is magnificent. Yeah. And uh, I kind of want to go buy one right now <laughs> based on this conversation. Well, what's nice is that you can actually find handheld uh, Nomads are not super online. expensive. Yeah. Well, not even Nomads. You can find ones that play like everything. You can put a Nintendo oh, game into a Super Nintendo that's game, true. Sega game, Sega yeah. Master System, like everything you can put in those, which is kind of nice. But, yeah. Um, let's keep going along with a yeah. little bit of this uh, this timeline here. We got yeah. uh, 1997. We're still talking about the mid-90s. We had an interesting time period, right? Okay. Because so the internet's starting to get into a lot of households mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. People are starting to use it a lot. Um, portable things are starting to become more prevalent in life. Yeah, more people have Not PDAs. Not just portable games, right. specifically PDAs, yeah. offices assistants, yeah. and things uh, like that. The, the scientific calculators are yeah. starting to pop Cell up Cell phones more are schools. starting to become a little bit more yeah. Yeah. out get, there. Get your, you know. like, get your snake yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, was 97 was snake yeah. around? It was getting I mean, close, it was, it was on the, It was still Nokia. It 
the Rokies weren't quite there, but it was close yeah. to that time well, period. I guess, I guess they it would have been on the yeah. I think we were just looking so. at like the early like flip bottom phone kind yeah, of thing. That's, that's yeah, Motorola's and stuff. Yeah. But any which way, we ended up with the TigerGame.com. Oh, the game. Which com. attempted to be oh. a PDA and a game system and give you access to the internet, which was interesting at the time, but the internet wasn't a whole lot yet. No. And the web browsing it gave you was text only, which not a that's, big deal. No, 97, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but. You know what you forgot? There wasn't a whole lot to it. You know, we, we, you know, you know what's not on this list? What's that? The R zone. I was going to bring that up, but I felt that, like it was just too much of a footnote. I was okay. like, let's go okay. to the ones that more people might recognize okay. a little so bit more. I just, I just, because I loved the stupid commercials for it so much, I just want to mention the R-Zone. No, 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 go for it. It is, uh, imagine wearing a headband like the guys from Poison, and on it, over one of your eyes, came like a Dragon Ball Z scouter. Over one eye. Yes. And uh, it was a black and red experience like the Virtual Boy. And you had a controller in your hand that was plugged into the headband on your head that had the Saiyan scouter over your eye um, and was trying to deliver a virtual reality experience. I kind of... It's such a weird thing. Yeah, I kind of felt like that went into the uh, category of the LCD games, yeah, like the Tiger it, style. Because there was a lot of gimmicky it's true. things with those types of yeah. games. I kind of felt like that was just one of those yeah, kind yeah, of LCD. Because it was basically an LCD Go go look up uh, after you're done listening to us. Look up the R Zone commercial. On yeah, YouTube. it's it's ridiculous. It's so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So the Gamecom. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, Gamecom was that was one of those things where like this is a really good product, yeah. right? This thing as it was, a con- in the theory, concept, the concept of this yes. is a really good product. The execution of it is yes, because unfortunately it was Tiger. Great. Right. So it did a bunch of things, but it yeah. didn't do any of those things well. Well, much like most Tiger products. Yes. <laughs> So it was kind of a, a yeah. flash in the pan. It was something that was kind of neat. You go look up the commercials for it. They were very unique as well. Um, but it, it was just kind of a, a flash in the pan. It was yeah. kind of a, of a just like, oh, this might be, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, after that, we had a very interesting one, the Neo okay. Geo Pocket. Dude, the Neo Geo Pocket is... To those that could afford a Neo Geo... <laughs> Well, the pocket and could was, then get a pocket. The Neo Geo Pocket was more affordable. It was, it, was, it was, but most people couldn't afford a Neo Geo when it was actually out. So getting a pocket really didn't matter because you didn't have a Neo Geo and you didn't have the games. <laughs> no, the Neo Geo Pocket was its own thing. It was the Game didn't Boy. The, didn't no. the games? No. Neo, oh, no. I thought you could play the Neo Geo games. No, you uh, Neo Geo games are bigger than well, VHS tapes. Yeah, no, no. The oh. Neo Geo Pocket was its own little thing. It was like a Game Boy. Okay. Right? It was, it was, uh, I stand corrected then. Yeah. I, I never had one. I always thought it was a oh, like no. it was like a Nomad kind of thing. No, 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 no. no. Oh, okay. it, it, it was a Game Boy. It was a little okay. black and white console. Two buttons. Two buttons? Four buttons? I don't know. I thought uh, it was... No, I thought it was color. There, so there was also the Neo Geo Pocket Color, oh, okay. which came out a couple years later. Oh, okay. um, interesting side note: uh, in in my webcomic Cock and Croc, uh, the character Croc has a Neo Geo Pocket Color, and I <laughs> he, occasionally, if he's sitting in the corner playing video games, it's specifically the Neo Geo Pocket Color that he's playing. Nice, yeah, nice, yeah, fantastic. Um, you can go read that at hawkandcroc.com. Most of the archives are back up by now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, the same year the Neo Geo Pocket came out. Yes. The uh, the Game Boy Color. Yeah. Came out. Yeah, not to be confused with the Color Game Boy. No. Because the Color Game. So this is this is an interesting thing. The Color Game Boy was a thing, right? So there was there was the Game Boy, and then the Play It Loud series were called the Color Game Boy. Yes. Where it was a Game Boy, but the shell, the plastic shell, was a different was color. color. 
now everyone refers to that as the Play It Loud series because yes. that was the advertising campaign they yes. used for it. Because when they because, came out with the Game Boy Color, it got confusing. Right. I want the Game Boy Color. Your mom goes to the store, buys a Color Game yeah. Boy. You, mom, you got me a Game Boy that's red. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just the Game Boy. I yeah. want the Game Boy Color, which yes. plays games in color, but not even full color. It was no, like, it, was, it, it, was, was the, uh, it was partial pixelated yeah. patel color and uh, <laughs> it, it, or pastel color, and it, it was interesting. It was yeah. interesting. Um, it, it was the Game Boy Color was basically just a handheld version of the Super Nintendo Game Boy adapter. Yeah, the Super Game Boy. Yes. Yeah. So it, which worked still. You were getting the Super I mean, Game Boy is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so you're getting that, and then in 2001, just a couple years later, yeah. The uh, the creme de la creme of the uh, the non lit Game Boys came out. Yeah. The Game Boy Advance. All right. And I, shortly thereafter, they figured out what they screwed up, and they released the Game Boy Advance SP. Yes. I have a story about the Game Boy Advance. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> this thing was coming again. You know, well, I guess I guess by 2001, I wasn't subscribing to GamePro anymore, but I was actively um, on. America Online, and you know, because it was ninety nine, um, two thousand. Like, so I was You've looking at mail. Yeah, <laughs> uh, keyword video games, man. They, they, that will come up in a future episode. <laughs> um, uh, so I knew the Game Boy Advance was coming, and hey, look, a portable sixteen bit console, effectively, yeah. right? Cool. In two thousand one, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Um, so I, I was working at Blockbuster Video at the time, and I d- got paid on Friday. And the Game Boy Advance came out on Wednesday. And so I went to Toys R Us, and I stood in line, and I was like third person in line, and I had one. I got one. It was in my hand with Castlevania Circle of the Moon and I think Fire Pro Pro Wrestling. Circle of the Moon was such Uh, a good game. I went to pay for it, and this is a trick that I learned from a relative, and I'm not going to specify which relative, but she (laughs) listens to every episode. I tried to post-date that check so that it wouldn't get cashed until Friday, when I knew I would have money on Friday. Yeah. Right? Also, you give them a check, it takes a couple days for the deposit to go through anyways, blah, blah, blah. I had learned this trick from my relative. It was a th- But at the time, I'd only written mm, five or six checks in my life, and most of them went to, you know, relatives yeah. for whatever. Um, so I didn't know that tech check technology had changed. And the lady at Toys R Us put the check in this little scanner, and it immediately read that I did not have enough money in my account. And the uh, Toys R Us uh, employee wrote void on my check and handed it back to me and took the Game Boy and the games and didn't let me buy them. Yep. Which, in fairness, was 100% the correct thing for her to do. Yeah. Right? I didn't understand how checks worked. I didn't understand that what I was doing was actually scamming the system. Um, yeah, and and for our younger listeners that don't know what checks are, um, there's got to be a YouTube video about the history of checks, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, there's a YouTube video for everything. Yeah. Um, post uh, post note to that story, um, one of the reasons I was I wanted to buy it at launch date is because the next week we were going on vacation to visit family in Massachusetts, and uh, I wanted to have it for the plane ride. Well, when we got there, we ended up at a mall that had a KB Toys, the KB Toys had one Game Boy Advance left. Yeah. I had gotten my paycheck because it was the next week and Friday had passed. So I bought my Game Boy, I bought Castlevania Circle of the Moon, and I bought Fire Pro Wrestling. There you go. And I hated it. Oh, really? Because the screen was so dark yeah. and had so many problems with the light, like angles for lighting. I literally could not see Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Yeah. And Fire Pro Wrestling, I was not... Now, I really like the Fire Pro series. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I didn't understand that it was all timing and precision-based and not button mashing like every other wrestling game that came out in the U.S. ever. Yeah. Um, 
so I just didn't understand how it worked. And so I just kind of felt really bad that I got all excited and, and had saved up this money or, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, had this terrible experience at Toys R Us, was really elated at KB in Massachusetts, and then felt like the whole thing yeah. was a giant waste. Yeah. Yeah, yeah see, I had, I had learned my lesson when I was younger with the Game Boy and when I bought my Game Boy Advance, I also bought the, it, it was the only one they had at the time because sure. it was brand new. Yep. It was this little, uh, now you'd com- consider it a reading light. Mm-hmm. It was the exact same thing as a modern reading light, only you stuck it in the top of your Game Boy Advance. Yep. And it kind of bent a over little, a little like, bit. And wire it was that you little, could angle. Yeah, yeah, it was literally just a little squirrely, squiggly thing, the yep. bendy light that you could put I, over it. And I bought the exact, I bought Circle of the Moon and my yep. Game Boy Advance, my yep. purple uh, I got the Arctic White one, yeah, but see. again, it was the last one in stock. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just grabbed what was there when yeah. I got mine because I just I wanted to play that Castlevania game. That was my thing. I yeah, was like yeah. that Castlevania game. Yeah. I was like, oh, that looks amazing. I gotta yeah. play this. But especially because I was a huge fan of uh, Symphony of the Night. Sure. I had before it had been released in America. I had actually sent over and gotten a mod chip for my PS One from mm. Japan mm-hmm. and ordered the Japanese uh, Castlevania Circle of the Night and Akumanto or Symphony of the Night. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, got it. I got this crazy. I couldn't understand what was going on the whole game. Sure, read yeah. anything. I was yeah. just like, oh, those arrows are going up. Sweet, that works for me. <laughs> and just play like I played through that game, beat the game. Like yeah. both, like, I didn't get 100 percent on everything because sure, I didn't know right. where I was going and couldn't read things. But right. I played the crap out of that thing. And then Dude, Symphony is. I've bought it so many times time. since then. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. But I, I may own four or five copies of that game. Yeah. On um, different platforms. Game Boy Advance. Love that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love the. Uh, I've actually. Funny enough, I've never owned an SP. A Game Boy Advance. SP. Okay, so I, I did. I did end up getting one of those for Christmas a couple years later, and um, it's fantastic. And, yeah. and uh, I, I would like to get one of the micros. Okay, I didn't care for the Game Boy Micro. But yeah, yeah, that's. Fine. I just, I just yeah. like one just because yeah. you know, just I, the Game Boy Advances I have, uh, yeah. I actually own six of them. Jeez. Still. Okay. When they started going cheap because the SP came out, yeah, people were just getting rid of them, mm-hmm. and GameStop had plethora of them. They were literally just putting like them in sh- on the shelves in a bag, and you could buy them for dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought a bunch of them, and uh, am slowly have been retrofitting the screens on them and everything. Okay, uh, because I own the Castlevania or not Castlevania Fa- Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles on oh. the GameCube, and I have oh. the attachment cables for each of them. And it's a very fun game if you have a group of people together that you're mm-hmm. going to be hanging out. I'm going to sit down, you know, want to play a game for a couple hours. Sure. Amazing game to play with a group of people. Because most people haven't played it. Right. Because it was on Game Boy Advance. Well, no, it was on Game Boy. It was on GameCube. Uh, And it was a multiplayer game, Mm -hmm. but it was a Final Fantasy game. Right. And when you think of Final Fantasy, you don't necessarily think of multiplayer, especially on the GameCube. Yes. So it's just one of those, it's a unique title and it's a super unique experience and it's so much fun because you got your character management on your Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was a super unique idea at the time, super ahead of its time. It, it was it was a fun little thing. Um, but, you know, speaking of ahead of its time. Yeah. 2003. Okay. Nokia. Yes. At least the N-Gage. Oh, Jesus. Horrible system. <laughs> Horrible system. But you've got to give them credit. They they, they, they saw the future but couldn't quite get it right. It, because yes. everybody walking around today has a cell phone in their pocket. Yes. And those cell phones play games like crazy. Yes. They and just, the they Nokia were. Nokia was a handheld 
It was. It was. I mean, it was. It was, a, it was effectively it was a cell, cell phone, phone that, played that games. was made for playing games. Yes. and they they came out before most of the f- flip phones with the the keypads right. and right. everything else. And like it predated they, the they were ahead of that. Yeah. yeah, they were ahead yeah. of that. They were ahead of the actual iPhone and everything else. The smartphone era when they actually yeah. became like more heavily on games and everything. It just it was just it's kind of like the the band the Cars. They were just a few years ahead of their time. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, much like the mid-90s were a weird time for video games. I feel like the the, kind of that 2002 to 2005 era, like from the dawn of the millennium until the iPhone, basically, like everyone was trying to figure out, okay, we have the technology to do electronic everything now. Yeah. We can do it small and portable. And uh, how? How do we do this, right? And that's yeah. how you end up with things like the hit clips, right? Yeah. Those little, like, one-minute versions of songs that are basically yep. just the intro and the chorus, uh, you know. And, like, yeah, there was just weird technology back then. And, yeah. And, um, yeah, the N-Gage, I think, was one of those things where, like, this is a really good idea, except it's not. Yeah. It was, <laughs> It was like, yeah, this like, is a good yeah, idea, no and that's a good idea, and that's a good idea. They saw the future, and yeah. it just, the technology was It was kind of like the Tiger Game Com. It yeah. had a bunch of things that would be really good together. It just none of them that it did it did anything really well. Because the end game, right. it wasn't a very good phone. It was a phone, but not a very good phone. Right. It played games just not very well. Yeah. You know what I mean? It had color screen and everything, which yeah. was nice, but it didn't have a great screen. And yeah. It just it was just kind of one of those things like. And in the middle of playing your game, an ad would pop up. Yeah. yeah. That was another problem yeah. with it. It just and you know it, it browsed the internet and it had that early you know internet browsing and stuff where it wasn't just text, but mm-hmm. it wasn't very good yet. It just it was just it was a little too ahead of its time. And just didn't do any one thing well. Yeah. So it, it kind of it fell off and ended up failing, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, after that, we got 04, and really kind of we entered the modern era of handheld gaming, really, yeah. in 2004. Yeah. With the release of the Nintendo DS and DS Lite. Yep. And the PSP. Yeah. Now, they both those consoles have had successors. Yes. But the successors have barely changed. Right. Technology in them has gotten better. Like yep. with the DS, you got mm-hmm. the, you know, the DSi and then the 3DS right. and, you know, the Which 3DS it, XL and everything. But else, at the you end know. of the day, they're still basically it's the basically DS the with extra stuff. Yeah. Ironically, which is basically the same model of the Game & Watch. Yeah. With extra stuff. Yeah. They literally reused the yeah. design, the clamshell design from the Game & Watch uh, with the dual screens. So I I, I, <laughs> I would love to get through the next couple of years on this because I know there's not much, yes. but we're out of time. And I wanted to we announce are. that we are going to be at the Game On Expo. We are, which was actually month. part of the reason I wanted to talk about video games yeah. today because, yeah. you know, it just it's something that we're, we've been thinking a lot about. We're going to be on this at this Game On Expo, which mm-hmm. is a great expo for all things retro gaming, especially, it's, or just game collecting, current gaming. Like, yeah. it's just, it's a fun collection of people getting together to talk about gaming and to yep. game. It's going to be uh, August 9th through 11th here in Phoenix at the convention center. Yeah. Um, there's actually, they've got a lot of really cool guests like Charles Martinet and the voice of Mario is going to be yeah. there. Veronica Taylor, the voice of Ash Ketchum from Pokemon is going to be there. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of YouTubers. Um, we're going to try and... Yeah, we're going to see if we can snag some interviews and stuff with some people yeah, while we're yeah. there. Uh, um, let us know if there's anybody in particular that's going to be there that you would like to try to talk to or yeah. if there's going to be any, uh, you know game stuff that you want us to go talk to people about. Like, let us know if there's specifically, like, some retro gaming information that you want to know. Are you a a modder? Do you want to know more about, like, console modding? Like, Mm -hmm. let us know if there's somebody specific that's going to be there that you're not going to be able to get to there to talk to. Let us know. We'll try to see if we can snag an interview or talk to somebody. Also, it's a 
looking like we're going to have a panel there. Yeah. So we don't have the uh, details for the schedule on that yet, but uh, one of those three days, it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that the Game on Expo is doing this year is they're they're pushing more for tabletop gaming inclusion as well. Yes. And so uh, I think our panel there should be mostly about tabletop gaming and board yeah. games and stuff. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that. And obviously, we, we you know, people are going to be talking about gaming right. and things all day. So we'll, right. we're, we're pretty open to talking about gaming because we love it all. Yeah. But let us know what you want to talk. Want us to talk to people about, or talk to, or anything like that. If you're going to be there, drop us a line. Let us know. Come by the panel when we're there. We'll let mm-hmm. you give more information out on our socials and everything when uh, the time comes. But uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to talking more gaming, both tabletop and handheld, and retro and everything else with everybody in the future. Yeah, yeah. So hit us up on Atomic Monsoon on all the social medias, except Instagram, which is Atomic underscore Monsoon. Uh, email us Atomic Monsoon at gmail dot com, uh, and let us know what you would like. And otherwise, we will talk to you next week yeah and game on brothers and sisters